Raven's Veil is a dark fantasy horror anthology podcast that may contain explicit language and thematic elements not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Raven's Veil, a dark fantasy horror anthology podcast set in the shadowy world of the Deep South, a convergent reality situated around what most of humanity has accepted as reality. Obscured from human eyes, Raven's Veil is a mystical sanctuary intended to preserve the existence of its immortal inhabitants. The Macquarie, commonly referred to as witches, have been hunted since before written history. The witches of the Highlands fled persecution to a new land that would come to be known as Appalachia. In these parts, you should always be leery of the things that scare witches. The veil is thin tonight, family. Let's see what darkness lies beyond. Welcome to Raven's Veil, a very scary Christmas holiday special. Well, hey there, family. Before we get started, we wanted to give you a little trigger warning. These stories contain some graphic descriptions of violence and just a little tiny bit of gore. As always, remember, listener discretion is advised. Family, we sure do have a couple of doozies for you tonight. Tonight, Jared and I have written some original Christmas stories just for you guys to help you celebrate the holiday season. So gather round, family, and listen up. It's almost time for you-know-who to come. Now I remember great-uncle telling us one on a winter's night, so cold that it'd take your toes. We little ones sat around the crackling fireplace with the warmth that cooked our rosy cheeks. Behind us, the blankets kept our backsides just above shivering. Great-uncle, whose name I doubt I ever learned, spoke from his rocking chair. His voice started out with a hiss like the spitting logs in a fire. Most of my cousins hadn't noticed he'd started speaking just yet, but I felt it. A story worth remembering was about to be spun. See, y'all better listen up now, for I'm going to tell you the story of the Kologeist. A right fiend on these terrible cold winter nights. He waited for all of us to settle down, then started up, and the world fell away as darkness from the outside closed in around us. He must have had some kind of magic because the only thing we could hear was his voice, which became the voice of the story, a sound all its own. There was a time when you should have feared the nights like this one. On these nights, when the sky is so black it touches the frost-bitten earth, darkness consumes the stars and the wind is sharper than a knife. Whether the moon holds in the sky or not, the light struggles to show you more than your hand in front of your face. The trees become jagged, Looming beasts whipping their limbs like death 
is all that their embrace has to give. The game trails become slick, smooth streets, more liable to take your feet than show you the way. The smell of the cold bites through your scarf so deeply that you can't keep your snotty nose from freezing. Nights that are so bitter cold, the only thing you have to be grateful for is that it isn't a blizzard. These are the nights of the Kolageist. These kinds of nights only happen a few times a year. But that's all these wretched spirits need. They step from the void and cleave through the dark. Touching the earth only when it can cause it the most harm. Soundlessly, they wind through the air in search of the lost, lonely, and the forsaken. It is with every hope they find you trying to hold a flickering light. They want you to flinch as your torch splutters and your lantern flutters or your candle gutters when they pass. What they love more than anything else, though, is children. The soft, supple flesh of innocence is so much easier to flavor with dread. Bones still full of soft spring crack all the more satisfyingly. A cologeist feeds on frostbite and fear. Some folk think these monsters are afraid of the fire. So these fools cling to their feeble lights, hoping the cologeist won't approach. But you know what it means to cling to safety, knowing that at any moment it might disappear? It means you are afraid. It means you have just enough hope to let your fears run rampant and unchecked. They have fingers like spikes of hatred that twist through writhing shadows, moving slowly across the freeze and into the folds of your clothes. Sharp pangs of icy misery prickle and pierce your skin, and slavering spittle spills from their horrible ripping maws, leaving your skin feeling burnt and broken in the winter air. As the shivers and shakes take hold, your hand will jitter. And if you don't drop the light, the tremors will make your hands nerveless as the flame between you and the velvet black night winks out. If the fright doesn't kill you, the cologeist will. Sharp, slicing claws wrap around your throat and begin to pull your lifeblood from your veins. As the blood loss makes you woozy, you would feel the ice-pick teeth penetrate your bowels and pull your insides outside. Before the eternal sleep comes over you, your last sensation will be the freezing Pelting of your own blood sprayed across your face as the cologeist feeds and laughs. But that was before. That was before Nicholas of Bury, a man who could have become a saint from this act alone, even without his other miracles. 
You see, when he was a young man, a boy, really, he lost a little boy who was like a brother to him. Darko was a sweet young lad. He was right about nine years when the Cola guys got him. But the boy had made good on those nine years. Darko had never met a man, woman, dog, or a toss of the breeze that he couldn't make friends with. His smile was full of missing teeth, and the second set was just peeking through. Darko was chock full of wisdom for such a young boy, and if you had replaced his heart with gold, it would have made it cheaper. But his mother must have caught a fever on a winter's night as deep and dark and cold as they come. And with the healer's home only a farm or two away, Darko slipped out the door after bundling up in all the clothes he could find, with naught but a small stick he fashioned into a tiny torch. Darko struck out from home for the last time. It was some time later that Nicholas Abury found the child as he too was headed for the healer. Despite the late and dark hour, Nicholas was in need of several herbs that only a healer would have on hand. In the town over, a young widower was in need of the herbs for their sick child. The thought of helping a poor child was enough to encourage Nicholas Barry to come out even on this dark and bitterly cold night. It was with great effort he pulled his sled up short, his great steed snorting at the hasty stop. He found a scene worthy of the most wretched kind of despair. There was little left of the lad. If not for his untouched head, there wouldn't have been much to find but blood-stained slurry and tiny chips of bone strewn across the snow. Nicholas viewed the scene from close enough to touch, but also a thousand leagues away. The gory spatter was frozen to Darko's expression of tortured agony. Crimson frost flaked when the winds howled and carried it into the night. With great shame, Nicholas knew there was little he could do at the moment so he moved on to the healer's home. He would bury the child in the morning. He told the healer of his needs, and with a heavy heart, he told him of the remains of Darko in the field. Both knew that the boy would not have come without a reason, despite the tragedy. So Nicholas and the healer headed out into the cold, dark night to deliver aid to Darko's only living relative. The two rode in a heavy silence. They listened to the creaking of cold wood and leather harnesses, the pounding of sixteen pairs of hooves stomping hard-packed frost. In minutes they traveled what would have taken the boy an hour. Surprised, they found the door to the cottage home was ajar. Both men quickly disembarked from the sled and made their way inside. Only the low, burning red of embers in the fireplace lit the home from the inside. Calling out into the modest home, both worried about the lack of response. Darko's mother, Isil, 
was a quiet but well-respected woman who was recently made a widow after a tragic hunting accident. But without a doubt, she would have responded to them calling out for her. She was known for a strong work ethic, firm resolve, and being unafraid of demanding tasks. Moving through the dreadfully dark home, they cautiously knocked on the only door of the small abode. Still hearing nothing, Nicholas Bree said, Heisel, we need to speak with you about some urgent news. Again, there was no response, so he pushed open the door. The next sound that broke into the silent home was the wet rush of vomit spraying across Nicholas's back, the healer's stomach emptying rapidly. While he had seen the contents of a skull spilled out by a heavy stone and seen a wound go so sour that the flesh turned a rancid green-black and he had seen a soldier carry his own guts in his hands as he fled the field, the healer had never seen such vile evil. A single flickering candle in the corner of the room was enough to permanently light this memory for the men. Heisel's intestines were pulled free of her body and looped around her ankles and wrists. Her scalp had been torn free and her joints all bent at angles they were not meant for. Worst yet, the wretch of a cola geist was in the process of peeling her flesh back like a man puts on a coat. It looked to be smiling as it turned its soot-black eyes from the gruesome task. Looking Nicholas in the eyes, the monster spoke with a voice like the whipping winds of hell. Do not worry, Nicholas. I told her of the sweet sucker of her son's bones and the soft comfort of delicious flesh. I told her of the exquisite vermilion lifeblood so pure and soaked in fear that I have never known better. I told her of the way I crawled under his skin, loosening it from his meat so I could have it warm. Darko was a sweet child. He begged and begged and begged and begged for me to let him go. If I would only let him go to tell the healer of his sick mother, he would come back and I could have him then. Nicholas stood perfectly still. Horror and rage flowed off of him in equal measure. The Kologeist continued in its horrid, gasping rasp. You know, Nicholas, I almost let him. I had never had someone truly mean it when they say they'd come back. But Darko did. Which is how I knew I couldn't risk such a perfect meal slipping away. It roared with laughter. Heaving barks of fear inducing laughter. 
<laughs> then, Nicholas of Bury performed a miracle. Righteous fury and all the power of heaven a true Christian saint can muster began roiling in the air around him. Nicholas began shouting, not in a specific language, but in all of them. Kolagast, I name you. I name you insignificant. I name you small, and I name you weak. I bind you. I bind you to the law. I bind you to the less. You will starve. You shall eat of no child, man, woman, or mortal who has been given something on the night of the birth of our Lord. As you have stolen life from a child who did nothing but give of himself, I will do as Darko would have done. Know that I will be the one to give something to every living person. The Kola guys whimpered and whined as faith and power shackled the vile thing. A fragment of a piece of a sliver of the suffering that it had caused others finally being paid back to it. It curled in on itself, shrinking and withering until at last, thinking it had found a loophole, it asked, What of those children, men, women, and mortals who deserve no gifts? Those who create suffering and misery, the naughty and awful. Surely you could not give unto them. Nicholas smiled, and unlike any smile before, it was cruel. Unto them, I shall give a piece of your body, a lump of coal, so that they might burn something more vile than anything they could have done, and reduce the evil of the world so that they might better themselves. With this, the divine power went out and flowed over the world, binding all the Kolagists, Turning at last from the sight of the heinous room, Nicholas spoke to the healer. Bertrand, I need your help. I only have a few days and I must be ready for the coming of Christ's birth. Can you help lay poor Isol and Darko to rest? I had planned to do so myself, but as it is, I'll have to give everything I have to make it happen. It was then that Great Uncle coughed, and the spell was broken. He looked around for a minute at his audience of wide-eyed young'uns all slack-jawed, he shook his head and said, Of course I said yes. And with a word, he quickly left. And you surely know the rest of the story from there. All I can say is that I've never been more embarrassed at the failure of my moon ascension than that night. I was less than useless. I never forgot it. These days, I would have known about that poor boy dying and perhaps even been able to push that ghastly thing away from him long enough to heal him. More than 1,500 years of practice will do that, though.
Hey there, family. It's Kristen Newby, the voice of Sybil. We wanted to tell you about a very special company we came across back in October at Tennessee Haunts and Legends Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, called Memory Alchemist. We've had such a good time getting to know the good folks over at Memory Alchemist. Memory Alchemist is an enchanting company that creates unique, small-batch, hand-poured candles, wax melts, and room sprays. Say goodbye to candles that cause allergies or fill your space with unwanted pollutants. Memory Alchemist candles are crafted with the utmost care using high-end coconut and apricot wax blends. Breathe in the captivating scents without worrying about respiratory issues. But we're not just talking about the fragrance. Memory Alchemist candles are adorned with exquisite graphics that perfectly match each scent, telling a unique story. It's a delightful blend of scent, sight, and imagination. Light up your world with Memory Alchemist. Discover the art of scent and storytelling. The scent of imagination. You can visit the Memory Alchemist website at www.memoryalchemist.com. We've got a bit of exciting news for y'all. Memory Alchemist is generously giving our listeners a 20% discount on their entire order through December 31st, 2023. You'll get 20% off your entire order when you use our discount code ENTERTHEVEIL at checkout. They also offer free shipping for all orders over $35 to the lower 48. That code again is ENTERTHEVEIL with all caps, no spaces. The link to their website and the discount code will be in the episode notes. See you soon, family! Family, we sure hope you enjoyed our first story for the very scary Christmas episode and getting familiar with the Kolageist, Nicholas of Bury, and old, old great-uncle. Now it's time to change gears a little and get a little more traditional. Well, kinda. As traditional as you can get with the McCory and Ravensvale. You'll understand the inspiration for this one right from the jump. Twas a night before Christmas. Went all through the house. Not a creature was stirring. Not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care. Just like they'd been since that last faded year. The children were nestled, all rotting in bed, while nightmares of demons replayed in her head. Not one thing had changed, not one thing been touched. She knew she was mad now. She knew she had been crushed. Mama in the kitchen, and Dad dead and gone. She had just come from the cellar. Had her spell cast gone wrong? When in the dark hallway there arose such a clatter, she sprang from her chair to see what was the matter. With a wave of her wand, there came a great flash. She spied that damned demon crawling through the front sash. The moon through the window gave an eerie sick glow, giving all of her magic permission to flow. But wait! What to her wondering eyes should appear but a sinister sleigh and eight mighty reindeer. With a dark-eyed old driver so lively and quick, she knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. 
more rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name, now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves before the wild witches fly, when they met with an obstacle mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the coursers they flew with a sleigh full of magic and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling she heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each mighty hoof. As she knew what was coming and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. His eyes, how they glimmered, his size was quite scary. His anger it simmered, his chest big and hairy. His spell work was working and gave a bright glow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head from beneath. He was rugged and rough, a right terror himself, and she shuddered when she saw him in spite of herself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave her to know she had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and banished that damned demon with a sly little smirk. And laying his finger on top of his wand, he gave a nod, and everything calmed. Her little ones playing, her husband a-swaying, just a quick little memory to help her keep staying. He told her it was time to let go of the past. She took one more look to make sure it would last. The door quietly opened. Her brother stepped in, asked Sister Sarah, where have you been? In that quick moment, she knew life must go on. There's a witch-hunting demon that must be withdrawn. Well, family, thank you for being with us this evening. We hope you've enjoyed the stories you've heard during our very scary Christmas episode. Ravensville will be on a hiatus until January so that the cast and crew can enjoy the holidays with their loved ones. If y'all like what you heard in this episode, make sure you tune in to our next episode and see what's going to happen next with Miss Sybil. Now, family, your adults have a few chores to do. If you haven't already, go on over to Ravensville.com and see about doing your chores on social media. Follow us on all the social media platforms that we've made available just for you guys. And why don't you spread a little Christmas cheer and tell your friends about us, you hear? So until next year, family, please stay safe during this holiday season. May peace, love, and prosperity follow you as you celebrate the holidays and the turning of the new year. Let the magic of love brighten your smile and enlighten your soul. From all of the Ravensville crew, Merry Christmas! Ravensvale is a production of Small Raven Media. Today's stories were written and narrated by Ed and Jared Bolden-Greer. 
Audio engineering and sound design by Nick Devan at Nicky D Sound. Copyrighted 2023 Small Raven Media. All rights reserved.